things girlfriends share. Welcome to Girlfriend It, hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives. Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together, we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing. How do we get to know ourselves? All right. What are you afraid of? What do you fear? Uh, Today, we're talking about crazy things we fear and what tips and tricks do we have to help get over these fears. And uh, this morning, we've been just sitting around kind of laughing at some of the some of the silly things, but I just have to start out with this. This is an irrational, ridiculous thing. But when I was thinking this week of some of the things that I fear, uh, a story came to mind when I used to go in uh, every week to get allergy shots, my daughter and I, and I would go first thing in the morning and there's not a whole lot of people waiting in the, the waiting room, but you have to stick around for 30 minutes. And I don't know if you guys get shots, but you have to get your shot and then hang out there for 30 before you can get in your car. Make sure you're not going into anaphylactic shock or whatever, which is another fear. Right. But anyway, uh, (laughs) there was a morning where I, you know, you drink your coffee, you have to go use the restroom and I used the restroom. It was a little bit stinky and I came out and lo and behold, it was like one of the hottest guys ever, like straight out of the movie officer and a gentleman. Right. And he's he's in his full like military garb. And there's just that one bathroom that you can use in the way. And it was that, no, don't go in there. So you do that smile and that little chuckle of, (laughs) but what the worst part is that then I had to go in the waiting room and it was me, my daughter, and officer and a gentleman just oh, sitting oh. there. And I just wanted to go, I am so sorry. I am so, so sorry. So that's one of my fears wow. that you, you know, even at somebody's house. Have you ever been in, in their house where oh, the restroom yeah. is like right out by the living room or the dining room and you have to go yeah. in there and everybody's sitting there and you so you turn the water on, you flush the toilet, whatever you can do to stop the sound effects from taking place. Are we really starting the show with this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have another just goofy fear. So at night we have an alarm system on the house. And so there's a steady red and a steady green light. And I think to myself, I set the alarm, but if I set the alarm and it accidentally goes off in the middle of the night, it's going to really scare me. <laughs> so let's just not set the alarm and let the intruder just come on in the, in the night. Then I won't know and I won't be so scared. <laughs> Isn't it crazy what our brain will go through? Like, just And, and Debbie, yes, yeah, since we started the whole bathroom talk of all yeah. the fears, I do have to say when I go to Starbucks, because we I do a lot of meetings there, when I use the restroom there, I have that same fear. Like I'm I'm you you're not really sure because you push that button in on the door. Yeah. And yeah. you're not really sure if it clicked in. So I think I'm going to be using the restroom and somebody's gonna walk in on me. So that's, that's totally happened. another one. Like I want to bring my very own lock. Lock this. Yeah. That happened to you in Chicago. It did, and it was a guy who opened the door, and I was in the bathroom. 
yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> so I have that fear too, Patty. It's just the worst. And you're like, oh, hello. <laughs> wow. So see, it's not an irrational fear, right? Yeah, it's real. Well, uh, one more bathroom story and then we'll move on. But uh, <laughs> coming home from vacation a few weeks ago, had to stop into a little uh, uh, gas station restroom. And I wear a lot of these long caftans. Is that how you say it? Caftan or... Krista, how do you say it? Yes, yeah. I call it. Okay. Anyway, I had a long one on. Really good, Debbie, by the way. I'm just saying. I I had to go, I had to tinkle so bad that I just kind of threw it up behind me and did my thing. And when I stood up, I realized that my duster slash captain was in the toilet the entire time. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, it had fallen down, you know, behind me. And so I took it off, rinsed it off in the sink, and just carried it out with me. And uh, prayed that no one saw it. Or is there a camera? Don't you always? Okay, that's what I think all the time. My fear is in a dressing room. Yeah. is there can't like are there freaks that like the engineers who work at the store that they planted little cameras? And oh I, yeah. Oh, you know there are. Right. And you oh. know that there are some things no one wants to see. Yeah. Well, okay. So since we're going there, I know we said we were done with the, the bathroom, but when I I love baths, and um, I like to bring my my little you know my iPad in there, and I'll be watching Netflix, and all of a sudden I realize, okay, that camera if. <laughs> You know, my husband's always saying, put duct tape or put a sticky note or whatever over the camera. And I just don't think about it. Oh, and then point. you hear all those stories that people are, are watching you through your, your camera. He's smart enough that he his camera is always covered. But that's another fear. I'm getting ready and, you know, I'm blow drying my hair and I, I'm watching a YouTube and I'm I'm putting on quite the show. <laughs> so. Dude, I, I still think, Patty, I still think your Zoom meeting where the guy went to the bathroom and took this, took it with him is so funny. That's the best. But I, I fear that quite often as well. Like, yeah. I'm always double-checking to make sure that I have my video off or it's muted. And, yeah, it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> this, this wasn't necessarily a fear, but this it's just... It's a hysterical story, and maybe it won't be conveyed as funny as it was, but Lisa and I, one time we were doing a retreat, and we had our entire team, and I'm I, I'm not really a modest person. Like, I don't think anything of coming in the hotel room and just, like, stripping off my clothes, right? Like, when I go swimming, I like to just take it all off and jump in the pool, but there are certain people that I'm not like, hello, here I am, you know, and there's a little bit of modesty going on here. And so I, we were in the hotel room, I got in the shower and one of our teammates said to Lisa, where's Patty? And she goes, oh, she's in the shower thinking that's a closed door, right? You don't walk into somebody when they're in the shower. Right. And um, it's one of those showers where it was, it was clear when you, (laughs) Okay. And so all of a sudden, I one of my teammates is standing there, and I'm over here, you know, both hands shampooing the hair. So it's not even like you can like try to be modest and cover things up. And she had a question, and she was like, "Hey, I was just curious if we were going to use this and this and this for tonight." <laughs> it's one of those things where you're going, "Ah, oh, 
okay, we're doing this. We are having a little business meeting while I'm in the shower, shampoo in my hair, totally exposed. And uh, so, so now I'm very much aware I lock the door when I'm on trips in the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> probably a good idea. Yeah. Well, surely there's other fears outside of bathroom stuff that we all surely. have, right? Yeah. Surely. You have some real life ones, don't you? Well, I, I'm going to go into a little bit of a deeper fear. And I feel like as women, we deal with this a lot of the fear that's actually robbing you of an opportunity to grow, right? Mm -hmm. um, I know for me, I've had amazing opportunities training and coaching thousands of people all around the world on this topic and it of a fear because it does become such an obstacle and we don't even realize uh, that it is an obstacle. And I, I've worked with major Fortune 500 companies and teams, helping them strategize through some of these fear, uh, just rooted obstacles and barriers. And one opportunity, uh, which was kind of interesting, because uh, I remember you guys were group chatting me or something when I was here in this little place of fear. I was ecstatic about it because I was going to New York, I'm going to Manhattan, and I'm working with the NFL. Yeah, we um, didn't believe yeah. you, actually. We just didn't believe you were really, really exactly. doing Exactly, yeah. Like, come on, really? Like, oh yeah, Patty, just like throwing funny things out there. Oh, um, but I was, I was there training on negotiations, coaching them, believe it or not. Like, you know, it's one of those where you definitely feel like a fraud. But Speaking of fear, I was literally sautéing in fear on the plane to New York and the cab to Park Avenue. I was in that like, ah, this is so exciting, but yet begging God, you know, to show up, coming up with all, you know, scripture. God's not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. Um, Joshua 1, 9, like, you know, you don't have to fear. And I finally... It, it, it was almost numbing, you know, when you're in that paralysis and I realized you have got to change the chatter, Patty, you've got to change this chatter in your head. And I challenged myself to step into it, to really go, this is fun. This is going to be like, I'm bungee jumping off the empire state building, you know, all, all 102 floors, like go for it. <laughs> and so every time you know, all of a sudden the thought process would be like, it's happening tomorrow. You are in front of NFL. You are there. There's nothing you can do about it. I would get that numbing feeling like, no, 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 no. I, I need to like trip. I need to hurt myself. I need to be hospitalized right now. And then I started realizing you want to be hospitalized. You would rather have pain. You would rather bungee jump than go face to face with this this fear. And then I started unpacking it. Like, what is your biggest issue right now? And it's the fear of the unknown, right? Yeah. It's the fear of what's going to happen tomorrow. And what is that going to look like? And the biggest thing is that I would feel stupid or I would feel like I'm not smart or I would say something that they wouldn't agree with. And is that the worst thing that that could happen? Mm -hmm. uh, so as I went through that, I finally realized, okay, embrace it. And I would like to say that now I don't have any issues with fear, <laughs> that I had this huge, amazing Manhattan experience and now I'm, I'm over it. 
but it's not so much. It really is a skill. It's a muscle that we have to exercise over and over and over again. You have to keep stretching it. You have to keep working it. And it's not, it's not going to go away, but it does get easier. Mm-hmm. And I heard someone say, if you don't have those fears, like if that survival mode, that fight or flight mode doesn't occur, then you're dead. Mm-hmm. Like you really do need to mm-hmm. have that. It's just how you're leaning into it. Right. So there, there's my, my preaching. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, what a way that you were, you know, that the NFL needed you because of all your unbelievable football expertise. I just think it's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, what's interesting. Well, I probably shouldn't say that because there's, yeah, forget it. I was going to say what was interesting about the questions that they asked, but then I thought, no, that's probably confidential. <laughs> it's, it was more in negotiating. I have no idea. Um, I didn't even know if you, I, I didn't even know the Super Bowl, the names or who the players and any of that. So it was funny because I'm meeting these really cool men, right? And I know that every guy would be salivating that they're coming up and shaking your hand. And I'm walking down the Hall of Fame with all these cool, you know, trophies. And I, I kept thinking, I'm, I'm really missing it right now because none of this means anything to me. Yeah. You know, you're talking to the commissioner, you're talking to some of these people and I'm like, I'm sorry, what was your name? And you are, and, well, I'm sorry. And you are, <laughs> I didn't say that, but I kept thinking that please say your name because yeah. I have no idea who you are. Mm-hmm. Oh, what it sounds like in some ways, Patty, is that, so the fear, you know, can be diminished maybe by the more times you experience that, you know, that circumstance or that process you go through that, that fear lessens and lessens. I was thinking about there was a, there is a mountain climber. Uh, there's a movie called free solo and the man scales the mountain without any gear, protective equipment. And he scales up a mountain of Yosemite and they actually did like an exam on his brain. Yes. It's like, has a very, Oh, he's missing like a piece of his brain that shows him fear like most normal yeah. people, which allows him then to do the very, very dangerous things that most of us don't do. Um, so that's interesting that, you know, so after you went through the experience, you realized, okay, I can do it. And my brother-in-law, I remember him saying that he had an incredible fear of, of heights and of skydiving. And so he forced himself to go skydiving so he could just experience the fear and say, you know what, I did it. So I guess there's just a great, you know, learning process and stepping into what you fear, even though you don't want to. And then you kind of come out to end, you know, a stronger and better person for it. Yeah. And that's such a good point, uh, Sherry, because you can step into it, but most often we don't know what to step into. It's unconscious. It's this, this, you know, until we are aware of it and we can identify it, then we can keep moving in that place of fear. And I feel like right now, and maybe it's the last few years, you're hearing people go, you know, be courageous, be bold, you know, step in, face your fears. It's, it's kind of like the buzzword. And, you know, we're sitting here going, what does that look like? Like, what, what is my fear? How am I courageous? How am I bold? Uh, so yeah, you know, it's, it's, I, I think you have to, because it is so unconsciously rooted, you have to go, what, what am I doing? Like, 
everything goes back to fear. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's being a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. Uh, people aren't going to like me, Mm -hmm. you know, that could have been what was rooted for me to get up in front of people. It's like, wait, they're not going to like me and everybody needs to like me. Right. If you don't like me, I mean, I'm a likable person. Why would you (laughs) like me? (laughs) So then I get evaluated and somebody says, you know, oh, she said this. And it's like, okay, wait, I want to go to that person and talk to them and go, well, tell me more about that. Like, why, why did that offend you? Or what were you, you know, what did you think? Or like, I'm going to persuade you now to like me because I think that that eval, you're saying you didn't like me. It's so really what that means is it's rooted in fear. So you have to get past the people pleasing to go, you know what? No, I believe in something to the point that this is my calling. And if it's going to upset you, then yeah, I can learn from it and I'll, I will try to tweak it if it truly is something I need you know, to get feedback on, but you have to remove the people-pleasing part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Patty, like that, I have a, the story from this weekend when I had my very first online teaching class and teaching ladies how to paint. And after class, I had like, um, literally 600 comments. This was so fun. This was so easy. I loved it. Everything was great. I had one lady private message me and say, I never found the link to the uh, video and I want my refund immediately. Mm -hmm. And can I tell you that took me down so fast. And Mm -hmm. so I said that to another girlfriend and she immediately said, are you kidding? What are you an idiot? Like you had 600 (laughs) comments about how much they love you and you have one person that doesn't love you and you're going to throw away all the rest of it. But isn't that what we do? It it was such a fear. I was so scared to do this online class as it was. Mm -hmm. And so just trying so hard to make sure I'm, I'm doing the right teaching that everybody's learning and that I'm making it fun and that I'm giving stuff away. And then one lady has the nerve to say something, (laughs) you know, unkind to me and I can't handle it. Well, and what's interesting is that for that woman, she has a fear, right? Everything that she's seeing is rooted out of fear. And that's the, they call it the outcast. Mm -hmm. And it's, she already thinks nobody likes me. I, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go eat worms. And so therefore I'm going to criticize you. I'm going to be the, the judgmental, pessimistic person on this fabulous thing because whatever is rooted there with her in her formative years or whatever, she's going to take it out on you. And that's the thing we have to remember when we're dealing with fear is those people around us. There's, it it, it could have been, you know, from judgmental, her green jelly monster head was coming out and it's like, maybe she's always wanted to do what you're doing (laughs) and be an artist. So now I'm going to take it out on you. And the truth is hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. I think what you said earlier, Patty, about unpacking the fear and understanding what's underneath that. I remember a girlfriend, she was fearful for her daughter um, uh, because she was in a relationship with someone. And she's like, and so we said, so what, what is your biggest fear? She said, well, I'm afraid I don't like the guy she's dating. Okay. Uh, And then uh, what if um, they have sex? And then what if she gets pregnant? And then what if she has a child? We said, okay, let's just go out the, go all the way down that path. And what if she has a child? Then what? Okay. Remember at the end of the day, 
God is still in control. Mm -hmm. He still has her. And so now you have a child with your daughter. And is that, is that the very worst thing? Okay, let's go ahead and go there mm -hmm. and say, all right, now, now you can rest in that. Okay, you have a child that God's given you, but God's still in control. So play that fear out and see where God, he can still meet you there in the middle of your fear and it'll be okay. Yeah. I, th I think yeah. unpacking the whole strand of it kind of helps you. Yeah. Uh, when my mom uh, was in the hospital, the last two years of her life, uh, her health was really, really bad. And so every time we would get a phone call that my mom, oh, I was just getting emotional, that, that she would go in the hospital. I would prepare myself every time I walked in the hospital because I thought this, 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 this will be it. This, this will be it. This will be the last time. And so I would tell myself that every time I'd walk in the hospital, I'd go down the corridor and I'd be in her room. And that happened for two years. So every time mm -hmm. there was some health crisis, the nursing home, the ER, the ER, the middle of the night, the hospital, I went ahead and walked there and told myself, this is going to be it. And so by telling myself the greatest fear, this will be it. Okay. She's going to pass away, but she'll be in heaven. It'll be okay. That kind of helped me get through it. I just went ahead and just went there emotionally mm -hmm. and just recalling my fear what it was. I'm afraid she's going to die. But then knowing that God was still there and she, she believed in the Lord. She has a relationship with him. I'll see her again. So what did that prepare you? Sherry, do you feel like all that time, the day that it actually happened mm -hmm. and that you had to face that? reels. Yeah, it did. It prepared me. So when she finally did pass, I had gone there so many times in my mind. Mm -hmm. I was, I was really ready for it um, because I saw it coming. So that, um, that gave me some, you know, assurance, even though I walked to the valley, of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I, t I had gone over and over in my mind in that many, many times um, before we ever went there. So having that, you know, processed that journey to process those emotions actually was very helpful when the time finally came. Yeah. And then what's so like grieving and dealing with death is that now you have the fear of life without your mom. Mm -hmm. Like you had to first accept mm -hmm. and go, okay, as you're walking down the, the hall yeah. to get mine there. Yeah. But nobody really prepares you for what life's going to look like. <laughs> Without mom, yeah. yeah. With just one parent. Yeah, sure. They sure don't. Yeah, you don't go there. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, being in a, um, a, a doctor's office with your husband and they come in with a very serious looking faces and bring one, two, and three specialists in and say, we want you to leave here and go immediately down the street to MD Anderson, the cancer center. You need to go see them right away. Um, those are those are real fears that just rock the world and you're not quite sure, you know, what to do with that. Um, I, I, you know, and then those times, Patty and girls, I think that's when I, I audibly pray out loud. I say, mm -hmm. Jesus, I mean, dear God, I yeah. don't know what to do. I honestly don't know what to do. And so just saying just out loud, just, you know, saying my fears that, mm -hmm. um, that's super helpful. It helps you like get through the darkest days. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's hard though, to even go all the way to the end. If it's so hard, mm -hmm. um, 
that it's not hard with your parents, but to have to go that far with your fear with losing your own child. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I just think there's some fears that we take to the nth degree. Like I just had a girlfriend pass away this morning. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been talking about it for weeks and I, you know, I really thought we were all going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Another girlfriend texted me this morning and said, I just wanted you to know that she's in the wings, uh, that angel wings came and got her and she's in the arms of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like that was my fear, but it was also my prayer, Mm -hmm. my prayer for her that God would take her. She had cancer and she was suffering and we wanted her to go. But then Mm -hmm. the reality hits and you're just like, Oh, but my other reality was her last breath here was immediately preceded by her first breath in heaven. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. Easier to take, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We went there today, didn't we? Didn't we? <laughs> well, we, we started out, like, in the restroom, and now we went from the hospitals <laughs> to the mortuary. It's like, wow. Oh. But this is good, right? It's good because we we are having to deal with fear comes in so many shapes and sizes, and yet, uh, you know, I, I teach a lot on the amygdala and the limbic mode of our brain. And once again, when we live in a place because we're human and we're wired to survive mm-hmm. and we're wired for when we, you know, when we feel death, like right now people are, you know, they're turning the channels because I don't want to hear sadness because they go into survival mode. And, uh, but yet then other people are leaning in because they're experiencing that exact same thing. And so it's like, okay, how do I deal with this? How do I, um, face fear on? How do I stretch that muscle? But being once again, I being able to identify it, being able to unpack it and being aware that, we do go into fight or flight mode. We have the the cognitive part of our brain and we have the limbic part, but the limbic is where the amygdala, like some people call it the lizard brain. It will always win. It will always be the captain of the ship. So how, how much are we allowing that amygdala to take over where we're always in fight or flight, right? We're always in that place of anxiety and worrying and, and fear without being able to unpack it, but we're, we're getting ready to go into a commercial break here and we have gone into the depths of our soul. So (laughs) I I think we need a good, like just pleasurable tip here. Speaking of fear, one of my fears is snakes because I am um, I'm afraid of snakes and spiders and all that creepy stuff. And um, we talked about an anaconda last week. So if you missed last week's podcast, go back and listen to Patty's story when she was like literally in the middle of the rainforest and was encountered an anaconda snake. So do you guys know that a snake, uh, number one, can't hear you? So if you're if you encounter a snake on a on a mountain or whatever, and you're like, get away, snake, get away, snake, he can't hear you, but you can feel your vibration. And there was an old myth that if you killed a snake, he took a mental picture of you in his mind and um, somehow shot that to all the other snakes in the area and they hunt you down and look for you. None of that is true. But here's what is true. Um, There are a a few scents that snakes can't handle and it is cinnamon oil and ammonia. 
Did you guys know that? No. So, no, yeah, so I've, I've sprayed ammonia and cinnamon oil around my bed so that <laughs> nothing could ever happen to me. And um, the other thing is that um, if you encounter a snake, um, hand them a sword to give them a fair <laughs> fight with you. Yeah, because they don't have hands. You're going to win every time. Every time you're going to win. And here's the other thing about snakes. They can only go the, the fastest a snake can go, and it's a black mamba. Are you, first of all, are you guys shocked I know all this? Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a black mamba, and he can only go 12 miles an hour, and even a child could outrun 12 miles an, 12 miles an hour for just a second, like a sprint. So wow. my whole point is fear snakes, but don't fear them too much. <laughs> okay, it's okay. They can't hear you. Wow, that's <laughs> impressive. And now we know just hand off a sword, a sword. Exactly. So with that, stay with us. We'll be right back after these messages here on Girlfriend It. It's merging never Don't you just hate it when someone starts a sentence by saying, don't take this the wrong way, but according to Elizabeth Bernstein of the Wall Street Journal, we all do this on occasion. Some people refer to these phrases as tee-ups. That seems fitting. What do you do with a golf ball? You tee it up and then give it a giant wallop. Tee-ups like, to tell you the truth, supposedly soften the blow. But if you are taking the trouble to announce your honesty now, maybe you've been telling too many teradiddles, flummery, and fiblets. Being on the wrong side of a tee-up can be confusing for the listener. What are other words for confusion and frustration? Wouldn't dream and jargoggle. Maybe it would be best to try to remain pricknickety. That means totally above board and precise. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. This is the Tokinet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. a book titled The Art of Doing Nothing by Veronica Vien in our guest room by the bed. I'm telling you, this book is an impossible challenge. In the state of Maine, it's said that someone who bottoms chairs for a living is lazy, presumably because one's bottom is perpetually in the chair. To sozzle means to laze around or perform a task in a sloppy way. The word is mainly found in New England. A quote from 1848 describes the term as used by housekeepers in certain parts of Connecticut to refer to a lazy person. Other words for lazy people are abbey lubbers, scabberlatchers, and slaughter pooches. To me, the ultimate love lolly is someone who is too lazy to even fake like they're working. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. today what are you afraid of what do you fear today we we've actually been talking about some crazy things um from being in the restroom to who's taping you and (laughs) going deeper into dealing with death and grieving uh we we left went into a commercial break on debbie sharing 
all the things you could do if you encounter a snake. So if you do have that fear, uh, now you have all the tips and all the answers. Yeah. I, I do want to say what I find is, is interesting is that people fear one of the top fears. Well, you guys guess. What do you think what the number one fear is? Reject. Speaking. Okay, rejection, Debbie said, Sherry, public speaking, yes. So public speaking, believe it did or I, not, it's did actually I win? called, what's that, Sherry? Did I win? Oh, yeah, you win. Yeah, you win hugs and kisses from me. Wow. Uh, glossophobia is the fear of public speaking, and it's at the very top over death, the fear of dying, or uh, what was the other one I was laughing? But so basically, you would rather be in the coffin than speaking, you know, the eulogy at your own funeral. Oh. Um, I, another fear that made me realize I've had the absolute horrible fear of um, I'm going to have to say the word uh, vomiting um, <laughs> my entire life. And it, I mean, it's sometimes it is overwhelming and it started when I was 10 years old. And what's so interesting about this is, uh, it's called emetophobia. It's a real fear and it's a loss of control, which for someone like me, who's a total control freak, <laughs> makes so much sense. But it started when I was 10 and at 10, my parents split up. And so I had no control over it. And I, and I took on this huge fear of vomiting and my girlfriends, other, my Florida girlfriends were with me when I was growing up, knew you couldn't even say that word. And if somebody was drinking, I wouldn't take you home because I don't want any parts of, you know, anybody doing anything like that around me. Uh, but anyway, somebody said to me once, oh, it might've been a psychiatrist. I don't know. Just somebody. <laughs> and they said, uh, my therapist, um, do you know that you have feared probably hundreds and hundreds of hours your entire life for something you've probably done a total of two to three minutes, your entire, mm. wow. isn't that interesting? And how often do we do that with everything? Yeah. Fear every day that our kids are driving on the road. Well, my kids have been driving for, you know, 15 years now, but still I'm like, you know, you're still scared to death. Something's going to happen. Yeah. And that is the, I hear that over and over again, 98% of what we fear will never come to fruition. Mm -hmm. And that that's pretty fascinating because we spend so much time with that in our head. And that goes back to that fight or flight. We're in that state of, you know, that amygdala hijacking of our brain. When, if we took that negative narrative and put it into positive things, we would blow ourselves away with the potential of what we could do, what we were created to do, what we were born to do, and really live out our calling if we didn't get so caught up in all of those fears and, and phobias. Yeah. You know, um, I, 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 I agree with that, with a lot of our fears, but there's one fear that I have dealt with um, for the last eight years that unfortunately, you know, is more consuming of uh, what people think because it's my hair. So um, I shared my hair story. I did do a video on it um, a couple months ago because basically in a nutshell, um, for those of you that haven't seen it, uh, eight years ago I had lost most of my hair due to uh, a hormone, a hormonal issue. And it started with thinning and then it really started pulling out and it was horrible. I felt so, so ugly. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when you're missing your hair, it, it just does something to you. And so 
every day glumps would come out and I, it wasn't like I was expecting it, um, at all. So, so anyways, I, uh, started to look into some options and I started with hair, um, toppers and, you know, I did have a wig and you feel like everybody in the world knows <laughs> if everyone gets within, you know, a couple feet of you, you're just sitting there inside dying going, Aww. they can tell, they can see, they know this is fake. Oh my gosh, this is awful. Who am I? Who do I think I am? I'm not, I'm not, you know, um, clever enough that they don't know. They must think I'm just so weird. I mean, it's just, it's amazing how it plays on your, um, self-confidence and insecurities that just come out. And I would just like become paralyzed. So Anyways, I um, continued, you know, to try to get my hair to grow back, and it did not grow back. And there was frustrations beyond frustrations when it came to the options of hair systems and then uh, daily, having to wear them daily. And then I was introduced um, to a hair system which stays on my head for six weeks at a time, where I feel finally like it's part of my hair. It's like it's like me. It's it's not like something fake on top, even though it it's real hair and it is a system, but it's not going to fall off like a topper would or a wig could fall off. You know, what if someone came and ran by me and decided to pull it off my head? I mean, you. Yeah, like Debbie, she'd probably just go by your head. And <laughs> <laughs> I would. <laughs> Is that a pull and ditch? Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. But you know what's so interesting is. Um, what brought me to facing that fear is talking about it, you know? And so basically when you put a hair system on the top of your head has to be shaved. So I took Sherry with me and I think when that happened, she was more shocked at looking at me than I was because I knew <laughs> I know. Right. But you hit it well, right, right Sherry, now. you didn't make a scene or anything. No, not at all. And, um, but I knew things were going to change instantly and and it did. And, and then I dealt with, you know, that for a long time, but then I went and had got longer hair and I knew everybody was going to, um, notice and it, that fear of, Oh, just insecurity or they're going to talk about me, you know, or like, who, who is she? Who does she think she is or what she do to her hair? So I decided cause I had, I had learned over the last four years to kind of talk more about it. And, um, so I, I videotaped myself and shared my story and, um, you know what? It was the most freeing thing. If I would have done that years ago, I wouldn't have trapped for eight years, you know, uh, being so fearful. And so facing it does free you. And it just, but recently I've had some, um, uh, well, a young girl who is 24 years old, who, um, had cancer at five brain cancer. Her hair never did really grow back. So she has struggled for years with very, very thinning hair. So she actually watched my story and, um, moved forward on a hair system. And I'm so excited, but it was, I can see all of her fears coming out because you're, it's so different right away. And it, you're just so worried about what other people think, you know, and, and I'm just like encouraging her and, thinking it's okay. They're really not thinking that, but we yeah. think that <laughs> Sherry, 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just going to segue there. You know, that's interesting. So sharing your story has really been freeing for you. I mean, and, and, you, and you've received a ton of support from others uh, who now they identify with that, which encourages you. And, and now you're encouraging others and that uh, it gives them courage. I was thinking about when you were saying that when my husband and I went on a mission trip to Argentina years ago, my boys were little. They were like eight, six, and two. And so we're going on this trip. We're going to be out of the country for 10 days. And I had this overwhelming fear. (laughs) It's the weirdest thing that when we're gone out of the country, we have a pool in our backyard, even though there's a fence, but something's going to happen and that pool gate's going to stay open and my my one or two-year-old's going to drown. I mean, I played that over and over and over again. I won't be here. He's going to drown. He's going to drown. And I shared that fear with some girls Uh, at church one time and it was the sweetest thing by sharing that with them they came around me and prayed for me and I I mean I think I got teary and they said what is going on I said I am scared to death I'm getting ready to leave the country to go on a mission trip and my biggest fear is my child is going to drown but by sharing that they came around me and prayed and I and, and I gave that over to God and that that was just totally different then after I shared that I released that and felt and felt just this great peace. You know, God has my children. He's in control. He has them. And I, of course, I, I went over the pool gate rules with the sitter a thousand times. Of course. <laughs> Let's walk through it one more time, Laura. Um, but uh, that, you know, by sharing that, that really, uh, you know, just helped relieve that fear. So um, yeah. I'm thinking of one, one more story I'll share. When my son was 19 years old. He decided to join the Navy. Shortly after he joined the Navy, he decided to join the Navy SEALs and talk about putting fear in your mother's heart. I mean, after I begged and cried and pleaded about him not doing that, I literally marched down to the recruiter's office and told them all the reasons that he should not be going on this. You said, did not. I sure did. Cheery. I said, he's too young. He's immature and he has no idea what he's doing. I'm telling you this straight up. But, but no, no one listened to mom. So off he went to a Navy SEAL training, uh, which they call BUDS. And it's six months of the most, the most rigorous training in the world. Uh, people from all over the world send their military to training because it's extremely difficult. So in my angst and agony of the fear that um, I knew lay ahead for him, although I knew he was too young to realize it, in talking to the recruiter one time, she said, you know what you need? You need Navy moms. And I'm like, what's Navy moms? She's like, it's a website for all the moms. So I went on there and I joined that. And what I found was a bunch of moms all over the country. We all felt the same. We all had the same fear, the same, same things wrestling in our heart. But by being a part of a community and being able to share that totally changed that experience for me. I was able to go on there every day and express my fears, be comforted by others. Some were further along in the process. Some had dropped off, but we were moms together sharing the fears. And I found that that really lightened the load and lightened the burden. And that made a huge difference. So having the community to share my fears with mm-hmm. really, really helped me get through that process. And did yeah. he, he did not become a Navy SEAL then? No, halfway through the to the training, he fell out of one of the exercises. Um, so God answered my prayers. No, <laughs> <laughs> because you were right and you won. <laughs> I hope you don't tell him that 
Have you ever done that where you share with your kids? Oh, I was praying. They get so upset. Like, why would you pray that, mom? I really want. <laughs> but that, that's such a good point, Sherry, because if we don't surround ourselves, I mean, we, we know, okay, turn it over to God. And then if we don't have that support group, though, it can turn into anxiety and it can become debil- debilitating. I mean, absolutely, if that festers. And I, I want to make sure we hit on some tips that if you are facing, you know, this, this humongous fear in your life right now, I mean, maybe it's going to the dentist office or unplugging a drain in your sink. We, we don't know what it is, but yeah. a few tips, we'll give you three of them. And just like Christette said, being able to share it. Uh, so the number one thing is to change up your chatter, like change your chatter. What's going on in your brain? Even if it's as simple as using a scale of one to 10, where am I when I wake up in the morning? Where am I with my anxiety? Am I at a three? Am I at a nine? Like, what do I need to do to calm myself? Uh, you know, be mindful of what's taking place because once again, your fear and anxiety, uh, it can take over, right? And you can live in that fight or flight, that post-traumatic stress syndrome, just from allowing it to overcome your rational thoughts, which leads into breathing. Mm-hmm. We we kind of downplay breathing. And I, I always teach the 444 method where you breathe in for four. We can all do it. Then we hold it for four. One, two, three, four. And then you exhale for four. One, two, three, four, which also leads into the power pose, which Amy Cuddy did this from Harvard Harvard or or Stanford. And the power pose is when you get into a a Superman or a Wonder Woman pose where your your feet are. I I wish everyone could see what you guys are doing right now with your poses because it's not pretty at all. It's not pretty. It's so not pretty, Sherry. I think it might be a mixture of a yoga, but I don't know why your leg was up in the air. Like a dog on a fire hydrant? That's what it appeared to me. It did look like a fire hydrant pose. Uh, The power pose, your feet are shoulder width apart, your hands are on your hip, and your chin is up. And this super power pose actually... Uh, changes the cortisol drip as well as the testosterone. So we become more courageous and less stressful, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. So You know what? And if you put on a Wonder Woman costume at the same time you're doing the pose, it's like triple the power. Right. And then you add that Wonder Woman costume to pink rather than red, yellow, and blue. Yeah. And you totally nail it, right? Yeah. It's and like a over the top. is playing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> what a wonderful face. Okay, so breathe 444, change that chatter. And that might mean getting in a support group to help you change the chatter where someone can go, stop it already, yeah. right? Enough. You keep saying the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I know my husband and I will do that where we're talking about, you know, something where he'll look at me and go, all right, you have four more seconds to download this and then you are moving on. And it's like, well, that took a nasty turn, but <laughs> so true, right? If I didn't have him to ground me and go, you are... You're working yourself yeah. up. Like you yeah. do this, you know how to do it. You you know what, you know, you're confident when you go in there. You have to just 
do it. Stop talking about it. You're in the hospital. The nurse will come in in the morning if you're staying over and she'll say, okay, what is your pain level right now? Mm -hmm. And you'll have to say, uh, you know, once one to 10, maybe it's a five. Okay. Here's what we're going to do to get you through that five. Yeah. It, that's what made me think of it when you said, change up your chatter. Where are you at right now in your anxiety? If I'm at a, if I go, I'm at a seven, I need to have a backup plan. What am I going to do then to bring myself back down? And a great backup plan is gratitude. I know we, we talk about this a lot, but it really is. It changes your brain to go, what, what can I be thankful for right now? Mm-hmm. What do I need to be focusing on? And that can lower it because it helps you change the chatter, right? When you go into what you're, you're grateful yeah. for. Because as soon as I focused on the 600 people that were so thrilled with my class versus the one lady who, you know, Lord knows her life must be miserable. And that's <laughs> why she couldn't say anything nice. But honestly, that instant, I flipped my switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, we have to kind of go back to like asking yourself. I always ask myself now, what is really true? And, and, you know, Sherry Mm -hmm. kind of talked about this, about unpacking it, you know, and, and is that really true? What is true? 600 liked you, Debbie, and one didn't. Well, that's okay. Yeah. You know, because we always have a backstory and I love that. You know, I really just learned that not that long ago, but if, if you think of that backstory that everyone has, then it's so much easier to brush off their negativity or their issues and not take it personally, you know? So, yeah. Well, everything, what's that, Debbie? I said, it's hard. It's hard to do that. You have to really talk yourself through it. Yes. Well, if it's subconscious, right? And that, that's why it's so good to talk about it. And just like you said, once you share it, because sometimes we don't even realize because it's your fear fingerprint. Like, what What can I do? We are not fully aware of what is happening, but we are fully experiencing it as the truth. And it is our reality until you can share it and people go, okay, that was irrational. Like, nobody thinks about you as much as you, you do. think about right? it. Yeah. And, and so we have to understand when this fear is it's raising its big, ugly monster head that we have to move from the unconscious to conscious and then face it, like begin to dance with it. Go, I'm going to own it. I'm going to shine the light on, on this fear because everything has the, the potential to look like a threat until it doesn't. Because well, we Patty, remember when you walked into that store and you didn't have a mask on and you just like panicked after a minute after you realized well, I heard somebody say the other day that their mask broke in the middle of a store and it felt like a Janet Jackson Super Bowl moment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that so funny that how, where we are today in our world and yeah. that is now one more thing that's been added to our plate that we have to worry about every day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And if we just really, you know, my, my sister, Kathy, you know, she's kind of like my idol. Um, she's amazing. She's a, a, a crazy savant. I think that's the right word. Musician. She can pick up any instrument and, and play it. And she's had an opportunity to play the saxophone in front of like the diamondbacks, the Cardinal games. Like she's been invited to just do and crazy things. And one of the things when I've asked her, like, don't you have this overwhelming fear that you're, especially when you're playing an instrument in front of all these people. And she said, yeah, there, there have been times when she looks up and she sees herself on the jumbotron 
and you go, whoa, you know, that goes into fight or flight, right? That goes into yeah. survival mode. She goes, but muscle memory takes over. And I think that's a huge tip that just like you said, Cherry, you know, with going in front of the NFL, the more you do it, the more you, um, and believe me, I've, I've failed more than I have succeeded. Mm -hmm. And yet if you can focus on your success rate, rather than like you said, Debbie, that one person that's going to critique what you've done, yeah. uh, that's when that muscle memory just goes into place. So we go into that fear, that arena where you really don't even know what you're doing. I have been there so many times and I, I that's not going to get me very many jobs right now by, by announcing that, <laughs> but you have so much history and so much experience and so much of just research and work that now you're in the arena and it flows, it comes yeah. out. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, Debbie, when you, when you're over here and you're in the midst of sharing your knowledge and your expertise, telling people how to paint, you probably went, when it was over, you go, what did I just do? What did I just say? But that muscle memory comes into place. So yeah. you have to have your 10,000 hours in. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And right. it's true. And you, and you think through the whole thing, and I'm sure how you felt with the NFL, which you did, what in the world qualifies me to stand in front of these people and think anybody gives a crap what I have to say? And <laughs> well, my mom... My yeah. mom would say she has good hair and people laugh. Uh -huh. <laughs> people laugh. So, well, I think that's why you need to have a community around you. I just think community is so huge. It's just been a, a huge part of my life. And whatever season and stage I'm in, as a young, as a young married, a young mom, the kids are growing. They're all up in school. They're leaving the house. Not only a community of women and godly people around me, but then also the Lord. You know, being grounded in in him and when every time there's some new fear there's some new trauma there's something i didn't see coming you know i can take it to him and be just like you know david in the psalms oh dear god you know where are you this is hard this hurts i didn't see this coming i'm scared i don't know what to do um and just be totally raw um, you know, either out loud or in my journals, I'll write that and say, you know, this is, this is a bummer. This is, I didn't see this coming. And I, and this is a fear of mine and just lay it out there and, and just give it up to him and he'll meet you there. Mm -hmm. I've seen him do that. You know, um, you made me, you reminded me of a couple of things, something that Sherry and Patty both spoke to, um, and, you know, speaking in public and I, um, a couple things. One is it was so hard when someone told me to, you know, after you speak and speak publicly in front of a large group, you'll tear yourself apart. And all you do is think about all the things you said wrong. And right. oh my God, I totally embarrassed myself. And someone was like, who do you think you are? Like, do you really think they walk away thinking about all that? You're not that big of a deal. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. I guess that's really, really self-centered, you know? And so again, that would, you know, I would have to hear that over and over again to remind myself, you're not that big a deal. They're not thinking about you, you know, so you need to let it go. Now, of course, you want to learn from things, but it, it would just paralyze me. Well, um, so anyways, when I um, was doing, um, oh gosh, what was my title? Um, event coordinator at a church, um, several, now it's been several years ago. 
always at my events, I would see Miss Sherry sitting there supporting me. And, you know, um, as she was mentioning earlier, our community encouraged us and it means the world and it has never left me. I would be walk out there in front of a thousand women and she would be sitting right in front and I could look at her and calm my heart because she was there supporting me. And I'm going to tear up because you know what? It was a memory that I haven't had in a long time. And yet it, it just, it's so endearing and dear to me to know that that's what our friends are for. That's why we want to encourage you all to have a community because it changes our lives. It means the world to us. It gets us through those fear moments like none other. And of course our Lord and savior of course does too, but our friends are there in person. So, well, and Sherry is such a calming factor to everyone. who's. Well, they, say, they say Sherry equals calm. Totally. <laughs> you know. That's what I think every time. Uh, Chrisette, we were talking about hair and your hair being, you know, the Bible speaks of your hair being your crowning, you know, your crowning glory. And I got to thinking about this. If the body is your temple and we get to heaven and God gives us our perfect body, then why can't he just give it to us now? Like, why do we have to wait? <laughs> What is the point, Lord? Why, why do I have to wait? Well, don't you wonder? I know we're, we're getting ready to close up the show, the show, and now we're going into a whole other topic. But I always wonder what Eve really looked like. Because she had to be absolutely beautiful oh, to be yeah. the first female. And then through sin, you know, we kind of wrecked it. But uh, it, it does make you go, okay, what is that going to look like when we when we get to heaven? And on that note, I just want to close out. You know, we've we've spent a lot of time talking about, you know, being a part of a community and we want to be that community for you. And we want to be able to encourage you and tell us how can we encourage you go on to girlfriend it Facebook and let us know what you fear. What, let us know how we can be that community for you because we say this over and over again, but we genuinely mean it. It's an honor that we're able to um, be here with you once a week, share our craziness, our weird bathroom stories and grief and all of that. And also talk about some tips that hopefully we are able to use ourselves, not just tell you to use them. But once again, we want to thank you for being a part of Girlfriend It. Next week, we are talking about prayer. And we hope we see you again. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Girlfriend It, because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.